Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrock. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is Sports Daily. Glad to have you with us today. Jacob Albrock here alongside Malcolm Carter for hour one. Tommy Kester will be in for hour number two. As we make our way into another game week for the Chiefs, we're to Conference Championship Weekend. And we're glad to be here with you. By the way, if you can't get enough Chiefs coverage, you can check out that New Heights with Jason and Travis Kelsey, the podcast. It's free on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast. That will be an interesting one this week as you've got Jason Kelsey, maybe retired, maybe he's not. You can talk about his adventures in Buffalo. Uh, so that should be a pretty good one to watch those sound clips. We'll keep our eye on it as well. But we have a KU uh, post-game reaction from last night, a late one against Cincinnati. KU hangs on uh, for a five-point win. We'll get into that a little bit as well as we make our way through. We'll have uh, the executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel, joining us in the second hour of the program. And we uh, we may connect here with Shreyas Lada to talk about that KU game as well. Our KU insider will do that a little bit later in this hour too. Malcolm, your Lions survive again, riding high today. How are you, man? I wouldn't call it survival. That was a that was a pretty good game we put together. I feel like uh, Buccaneers Buccaneers went in there and did some of the things I thought they would be able to do, especially against our secondary. But overall, I'm pleased. I'm definitely pleased with what we put on tape. Is it real? And can they beat the 49ers? Look, the Niners have been. The Niners have been flawed when they're not completely healthy, and we don't know about Debo right now. I feel like the Lions have a shot here. Now, Goff's got to go on the road. He's got to play outdoors. got to do all that stuff. Mm. Are you riding on house money right now, or like what would be your level of devastation if they don't get it done in the NFC Championship game? Um, I expect us to win. Um, I, don't, I don't think we're going into that game feeling like uh, this team is just that much better than us. I think we complement um, – them very well. Um, so I think that we'll be able to, you know, get some things going just like they'll be able to get some things going. But really, I'm looking at it like two pretty even teams going at it. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I, 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 This whole championship weekend, when you look at it, I don't know how many people 
would have put the Chiefs and the Lions this far in. I think that, you know, the Lions have fought doubters all year. Um, I don't know if I've qualified as a doubter. I just didn't think they were quite there yet. Clearly they are. Now their path to get there has been pretty advantageous in in who they've played so far. That's kind of handy. The Chiefs had plenty of doubters, right? Everybody thought they were dead and all these things, and here they are again. It's interesting as we look at it. The Lions are seven-point underdogs on the road. The Chiefs, three and a half. But, man, I really think there's absolutely a possibility of a Chiefs-Lions Super Bowl here. And I have been slow on the Ravens all year. They looked really good in the second half against Houston. And the 49ers, I'm telling you right now, Malcolm, if, if Debo Samuel doesn't play, I might take the Lions. Mm. I, I would for sure take the points. I might take the Lions because they have just been a different team when they're not completely healthy. And my guess is that Debo will play. But I do think we're looking at a conference championship weekend where something crazy is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're just walking into to Niners-Ravens here. I feel like something's going to shake that up a little bit. Those have been the two best teams all year. I get it. But it, but the way this year's gone, that doesn't feel like that's the way this is going to go this weekend, where the home teams just win and we get and we get Niners-Ravens again. No, I agree 100%. Um, of course, as a Lions fan, I'm feeling like we'll be the ones to, to take care of business right, right, there. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, honestly – both of these games are, are pick em games to me. I think that uh, ultimately it's going to come down to uh, the turnover battle. Whatever team is able to force turnovers on the other team, I think that's really what's going to settle both of these games. And I think both teams, I think all four teams would say that that's been something that's plagued them throughout the season. When you look at the Chiefs, and you know how big, I mean, I think it's clear now, and we know that, you know, they're star players, Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones especially, and, and it trickles down as you listen to locker room sound. They love chip on the shoulder. They love anything they can hang up on the bulletin board. They've used that tremendously, and I think it all sort of came out against in the postgame against Buffalo. And I wonder now if any of that you know, subsides a little bit or fades. I don't think there's anybody anymore that that don't think the Chiefs have a chance to win this game or whatever. They've got to go to Baltimore. I just wonder if that much adrenaline, and the Lions sort of face this too. Like when there's been so much adrenaline to get you to this point, I wonder how much of that fades and how you battle through that. We know the Chiefs can do it. They've done it lots of times. But man, the Lions, I just like the one thing about that game is You've had that when you've had the environment they've had for two weeks playing at Ford Field and doing all that, and now you go on the road. That 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 does have to be just a little bit deflating, I would think, mm. to come off of that high to now have to go to San Francisco. Now they've got to use what like the Chiefs have done. You've got to use that. You've got to embrace the underdog. You've got to understand that nobody's giving you a chance to now go do it. I don't know. I, th- I think it's an interesting dynamic for that team, and we just haven't seen it. We don't know, right, right. how they're going to respond to that kind of thing. Well, I think uh, the Cowboys game is a perfect example of we talk about grit with the Lions and that kind of Detroit versus everybody mentality. I think, I think we've had that mantra all season. I don't think going into the 49ers is going to be any different, um, that we're feeling like, hey, no one, no one wanted us to be here. You know, everyone's been talking about the franchise, how we haven't been able to get it done. We've been getting it done all year. So I don't, I don't really see too much wind being taken out of our sails 
I think if the 49ers win, I think they be, they beat us because they're the better team. Um, but I think I think our adrenaline, especially you know golf being back in Cali, um, weather looks fine by the way. But <laughs> I think uh, I think we'll we'll be able to compete, and I think that we feel like, hey, why can't we win? Well, I, I sure. I mean that, and the Niners will have a lot to do with that. Let me. Do, I'm just gonna pull up here, mm. uh, Jared Goff by game, and we'll look at at any weather games he's played this year. Mm. Um, he went to Chicago in December. And was not good. Uh, he went to Baltimore in October and was not good. Mm. Uh, not 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 terrible, but not great. Uh, he went to Green Bay in September and was pretty good. Mm. And he went to Kansas City, of course, to open the season, and he was good. So I, I don't know how much of that narrative I I mean, most recently in Chicago when the weather was bad. Right. And they played a lot of their games on the road indoor. Mm. Uh, their last two that they played, in fact, Dallas and Minnesota were both indoor games. Three out of their last four were indoor games. Four out of their last five were at least indoor. No, they were indoor games. So four out of their last five home ga road games have been indoors. They have only played outside one time since October 22nd. And in that one time against Chicago, Goff had his worst game of the year. Mm. So, like, I, you know, I, I do think that stuff matters. Now, if the weather's good, that, that helps, certainly. But it, it's, a, it's sort of a narrative that's floated with Goff for a long time. And in the true outdoor games he's played this year... Other than that Chiefs opener, he has not been as good as he's been indoor. He was really good in Tampa, if you want to look at that. That was his that was his best, you know, true road game. But again, you're in Florida, right? Mm. I don't know how much this matters in this game. I think probably Dan Campbell would like it to matter less, and maybe we see a little more running from the Lions than we're accustomed to. But it, it's it's this elephant. I love that Jared Goff, who's been to a Super Bowl and was a former number one pick, feels like there's all these boxes he needs to check. But right. this is a box he needs to check. Right. Now, I think uh, you could point to Green Bay's game, uh, that last game of the season last year where we beat them to knock them from going to the playoffs. Um, it's really it's really the temperature more so than it being outside. Um, I think that when you when you're talking about you know, f close to freezing temperatures. I think that does have an effect uh, on Jared. Uh, I would, I would have to say, objectively for sure. Um, but I think outside isn't more so the element, more so than the wind um, and the actual uh, temperature that he that he's throwing in. Because sometimes he'll put on a glove. Um, I think you know, for some quarterbacks, that does affect the zip that they have on it. And he's not a he's not the strongest arm in the NFL. So when you're talking about fighting against the wind, throwing with a glove on, I think that does have an effect on how he plays. But I mean, we're we're going to Cali. Um, I think I think the we're not worried about um, below freezing temperatures or, or anything like that. So I think Jared will be fine. Um, they'll they'll drum up some type of narrative um, regardless. But um, I think he he performs fine, especially in games that that matter the most. You could point to a few games here or there, but I mean. If he's looked at the last, you know, three, four weeks, he's done everything that he's needed to do. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but it's all been indoors, so we'll see. I hope they <laughs> win. I do. Um, I really hope they win. Chiefs on the other side. And we'll get into a lot. We'll dig deep on the Chiefs here in just a little bit with Dan Israel in the top of the next hour. But 
I, I just like I'm not picking against the Chiefs mm. right now. And Lamar Jackson finally had his good playoff game. That's but it's still what one out of five, one out of six. Mm. I still can't when it's when you've got one of the best playoff quarterbacks we've ever seen, and it's early in his career, but there's already that large a sample size taking on Lamar Jackson as good a season as he's had, and he was great in the second half against Houston. He wasn't great in the first half, and he hasn't been great over his career in the postseason. I just don't know how you can comfortably go that way. You know, like I, mm. I, you got you got to kind of stick with what we know, and what we know is Patrick Mahomes knows these spots so well. What an opportunity for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Right? Like, this is his spot. This is his – if you think golf has something to prove, it it's peanuts compared to what Lamar Jackson – Mm-hmm. has the opportunity to prove in this game. I agree. And and that's going to be interesting to see as he goes up against what may be the best defense in the league this year, especially if they're healthy. We'll see what the injuries do. But how about that for Lamar? Because he, the, it looked like it was going sideways again for him in the Houston game. And then he got it turned around, and he was unbelievable in the second half. Where do you stand with Lamar as far as – you know, legacy to this point. We know he's great. We know he's fantastic. He's going to win an MVP. He's proven that. Mm. But we've got a pretty big sample size here in the postseason. It feels like the pressure on him is pretty big in this game. Yeah, I, I agree. The pressure is for sure there. And if you um, heard them talk about his halftime speech um, from the Texans game, I think he's 100% feeling the pressure um, to want to get the job done. And when you talk about the conversation around AFC quarterbacks and the hierarchy, of those guys, um, they point to, you know, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow making it to the Super Bowl, being within a play of winning it. So I think that he definitely wants to be in that conversation. But I think to be in that conversation, um, you, you got to get those championships. And Lamar's a winner. Um, you can look at his regular season percentage, and he's, he's a winner everywhere that he's gone. So I don't – I think that he'll embrace that, uh, which is why I, I am taking the Ravens uh, t- to take care of business. Um, I think – especially this time of year in these type of games, the defenses really are needed to step up. And I think when you look at Baltimore's defense and the different – this all the different ways that they're able to play, they can, they can match up so well. I think Marlon Humphrey will be available for this game as well. So I, I really think that between Lamar and him being able to run the ball, which Josh Allen did effectively, which I figured he would, um, and they're able to shorten that game for the for the Chiefs just like the Bills did. I think they'll be able to get that done. And they got Justin Tucker as a kicker. So I don't think we'll be worried about too many missed field goals or, or extra points. So I'm I'm really feeling like this is Lamar's time. This is his game at you think home it's in be Baltimore. Lamar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I just it, – it's a factor. I mean, it is a factor, though. Mahomes has – through six years of his career, when you've been in this spot and you just consistently get it done and get it done and get it done and people keep wanting to crown somebody else, but it's still Mahomes and it's going to be Mahomes, you going up against the MVP. I, I just think there's the, the pressure on Lamar here, and I don't know how he feels on that stuff, right? Like, because he's he's more reserved than a lot of guys, so I don't he doesn't talk about that kind of stuff a ton, but it's got to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, it has to be there. If it's there for Jared Goff who's already been to a Super Bowl. I look at Lamar with just like the weight of the world on his shoulders because you've had this year where the offseason went oddly, right? Mm-hmm. And you had rumors of nobody wanting Lamar, and he comes back and he wins an MVP. Right. Is it all for naught if they don't win this game? 
You know, do, do the do the haters feel vindicated if they don't win this game? Maybe not that that's the end all be all, mm. but it does. It's like that elephant that that just kind of hangs out in the room. And he's young; he's way younger than people realize. But I do think there's a bit of pressure, and it's not so much even on them to win. Like he just needs to play well, mm. right? If the Ra- if he plays well and the Ravens still lose, I do think. He'll get let off the hook because now you've strung together that half and then another great game because Josh Allen plays well and loses every time, right? Mm -hmm. We're not watching the Bills Chiefs thinking, oh, man, that's Josh Allen's fault or anything like that. But Lamar Jackson, you know, some of their playoff losses over the years early in his career were his fault. He played terrible. And so I I do think there is. And I don't think he has to win to to shake that, but I do think he has to play well. And it's going to have to come against one of the best defenses and one of the best secondaries in football. Mm. It'll be with his legs in this game. Yeah. If Willie Gay's out and the Chiefs have those injuries, this is a game where as as much as we've seen Jackson improve over his career, not as a pocket passer, but at doing that when he needs to, this is not one of those games, I don't think. I think this is a game where Lamar needs to run wild. If he can get the if he gets a lane, you gotta take it. Look what Josh Allen just did to the Chiefs. Right. Right? I mean, they they're showing you that that's the ticket. You gotta run. If Absolutely. you're Lamar Jackson in this Absolutely. game. Absolutely. Use those tight ends, man. Like we talked about last week. Um, I, I've seen that they've got Mark Andrews back into the fold. I was just about to ask you that. So, Is he um, back? I mean, he, he practiced last Ooh, week. Ooh, that's a problem. I mean. That's a problem. Him and Likely, the way they, they they might be able to deploy those guys like Buffalo did, I, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good game, man. I'm looking forward they to it. They think Marlon Humphrey's going to be back, too. Like, yeah, this is, this is a tough spot for the Chiefs. I'm curious to get Dan's take. We'll do that again in the next hour. All right, what we're going to do, we may try to run down during the break here, uh, Shreya Slada to help us with KU. KU wins last night against Cincinnati. Uh, we'll get Shreya's take. If not, we'll break it down. They get it done. It was far from a convincing win. Cincinnati's good, but it was at home. I still, like, it's just something's, something's not quite right with KU for mm. me. And again, we talked about it yesterday. This is when we're talking about national championship type aspirations we'll get into the jayhawks when we return on sports daily it's all it's malcolm carter on a tuesday don't go away your phone call is welcome 869-1240 sports daily on 97.5 and 1240 kfh wichita's number one sports radio it's that time sports daily getting all the inside information on the kansas jayhawks let's go now to the ku football and basketball beat writer from the kansas city star shreyas lada All right, and welcome back into Sports Daily here. Jacob Albrock, Malcolm Carter with you here in hour number one. Therese Lotta joining us fresh off of a KU win last night against Cincinnati. 74-69. KU gets it done. Uh, It's a bounce back from the loss over the weekend. Johnny Furphy's coming out party. Were you satisfied last night, Trius? Is that what you needed to see from KU after the loss in Morgantown, or did they still leave a little left on the bone there? I think there's a little left on the bone there. Uh, I mean, I was impressed with their ability to grind out a victory against uh, a pretty good team in uh, Cincinnati. I think they're 33 and Ken Palm, and they have elite defense. Um, and Johnny Furphy had an incredible game. But I don't think the game should have been as close as it was in the first half. Um 
And it took some time for Kansas to create some separation. And there was always this weird feeling of the game kind of being close throughout. Uh, so that was definitely there. Uh, but, you know, I, I've said it before with this Kansas team. It, they're not a team to blow out a lot of teams, you know, and they rarely have blowouts and uh, they can lose on the road to anybody. So I guess the expectations of what I have for them have slightly lessened, you know, uh, they're not this dominant you know, team that's going to run through the field and make a Final Four guaranteed, like I think preseason expectations were. Now I'm just wondering if they're going to win a Big 12 title with the way they've been inconsistent on the road at home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you uh, specifically about Dewan Harris um, and really his role on offense, um, specifically as a scorer. Um, was really just kind of doing a deep dive on him and seeing that in the last two years, uh, if he scored six or more points, KU's only lost one of those games. Can you talk about like what he can bring maybe as a scorer uh, on the offensive side maybe to help the KU offense a little bit? I think, you know, for him, he's got to be more aggressive, right? He gets a lot of his points through, um, you know, kind of scoop layups, floaters stuff like that. He can be more aggressive shooting-wise because he's a pretty good shooter. He's just hesitant to take uh, those shots because uh, he's a guy who likes to defer. Um, and, you know, I think he can be a guy that Kansas can rely on to shoot from deep when they need him to because they need that aggressive Dewan Harris. Um, and obviously in offense, he's a, a fantastic facilitator, but I think his assist uh, or turnover rate is the highest it's been all his career. And um, on top of that, he's just, I think he's shooting like 41% or 42% at the rim. So those two things are really concerning. And I think that is kind of why DeWan hasn't quite lived up to the play and expectation of what we have of what DeWan Harris should be like. Do you think, Shreyas, this team, how much more does it have defensively? Because that, that to me, like when I saw this roster come together at the beginning of the year, and you added Hunter Dickinson to three All-American type defenders, I kept thinking to myself, this defense will be the best defense in the country. Like, it ha it should be. But I don't think it is that. And I just wonder, and I know Bill's self-teams get better defensively over the course of a season, but is this team capable of still reaching that lofty of an expectation? And maybe I was out of line with the expectation. I don't think I was. But I, I just wonder... What the ceiling, what do we think the ceiling still is for this team defensively? I mean, I think it, it is pretty high, right? I know they were like 26 in Ken Palm heading into yesterday, and we saw how good they are defensively yesterday against Cincinnati. I mean, they let, him, let them shoot 15, 16% from three on like three of 18. Uh, and on top of that, I think since he only shot 39% from the floor. So we see how good they are when they're connected, they're communicating, they're doing what they need to do. But we've also seen where they're a little out of sorts, you know, whether it was against UCF or against, uh, you know, West Virginia, you can't give up 91 points. I don't care how good they're shooting from three. 91 points is, is just kind of a disaster defensively, right? Um, and, and Bill talked about it, how they were soft and ball screens and communication. So, Kansas definitely has a, a pretty high defensive potential. Like I think this team, when it's locked in, is it's if you know top five defense in the nation, if not better. But the issue is it's not always locked in, and I think that's why we've seen the inconsistency along with so much of you know the already other problems of they don't take a lot of threes, they don't have a lot of bench scoring. Like 
you know, the margin of error, I said it yesterday for this Kansas team, is so razor thin that if one or two things don't go their way, they're in danger of losing to inferior opponents. West Virginia was a quad three loss. That's pretty atrocious. And it's something that's going to haunt them come March when they're probably trying to compete for a one seed. Yeah. Uh, I would love to hear your take on uh, Furphy's game last night. Uh, I mean, when, you, when I'm watching the game, he doesn't look like he's 6'9". He, he, looks, he looks like he's a, he's a tall, pretty lanky kid. But, I mean, the way he, way he jumps, I mean, his jumping ability is, is ridiculous. I mean, I think he had like three or four offensive rebounds um, that were really critical. Um, and he, he really seems like he can be kind of that third scoring option for the team. Can you just talk about what his kind of offensive outlook could be for the team? I mean, I think he's a guy that can do a little bit of everything, right? He's a sharp shooter, um, and he gets some really nice buckets on offensive rebounds. I mean, he's really sneaky athletic, I think, in the sense of, like you said, he doesn't look 6'9". Like, he looks 6'7", 6'8". I, I don't know how to describe it, but he doesn't look as tall as 6'9". But it doesn't really matter because you said that bounce is just incredible. I mean, it led to 11 rebounds. He led the team in rebounds yesterday, and I think four of them were offensive, five of them were expensive maybe. Um, and, I mean, what he can add offensively, he can do a little bit of everything. He's a guy that seems to be constantly relocating off ball, I mean, kind of like what Grady Dick was doing last year to create open shots. Um, he's a, a pretty decent facilitator. I mean, he doesn't have the ball in his hands long enough, I feel like, for to make those moves, but it seems like – the biggest thing with, with Johnny Furphy is when you have him on the court, he makes the winning slash right play more often than not. And that's something I think Kansas didn't have with Amaka Jackson or Nick Timberlake or whoever else would have started in his place. Uh, and I think that's a testament to how good Furphy is as a freshman. Yeah. Is is So do you think he's then solidifying himself as the fifth starter? He started the game. He is. The, we know they need. We, we they they need a fifth, but they also need you know like a sixth and maybe a seventh. But it sure seems like Furphy should be the guy in that fifth spot at minimum, right? Like he he's pretty much solidified that, don't you think? Absolutely. I don't, I don't think there's any you know freaking like thoughts about it. To be honest with you, I mean, Bill said it himself. He was surprised that this guy's averaging seventeen and eight in the three, uh, you know, the three games that he started, but I mean, like, just look at how much better this Kansas starting lineup looks with him in it. You know, like the guys passing the ball, they like playing with him out there. It's something Bill's mentioned multiple times. And there's no disrespect to El Marco Jackson. He's, he's a fine young player. He's going to be pretty good. I think whether it's this year, next year or the year after, but you know, it's clear that Spurphy has gained the trust of his teammates quicker than anyone else could have had at this spot in time. And it's because he makes the right play at the right time. And this Kansas starting lineup is just so much more dynamic offensively with him out there. You can, you know, fault him for being slow laterally and stuff like that. But even then, his length is so nice that he can still impact shots against uh, other teams. So, you know, like, it obviously has created a hole with the bench scoring with him off of it. But this Kansas starting lineup, like Bill said, depth matters until March. And when March hits, you know, it's going to be this team is going to probably look better than it does right now because they'll have some more time between games and more rest and, and longer half times and stuff like that. Yeah, so I think that uh, when you're looking at a team holistically, I feel like you learn a lot more in losses than you do in wins. I think KU learned a lot about themselves. Uh, I guess that in that loss against West Virginia, 
and they have a pretty tough schedule going ahead for the next two or three weeks. So it seems like maybe they're riding the ship at the right time, and they kind of got a taste of that kind of that bitter loss. Um, can you just talk about going forward these next two weeks, how just your outlook on the team um, in terms of really how they're going to not only defend, but how they're going to really, when they're scoring at a high clip, they're a really hard team to beat. Yeah, I mean, 100%. I, I think, you know, they need to have the continued production of what Furphy has done for them. You know, they, they need that because it's clear that he's kind of this energizer bunny uh, for, you know, this team uh, in the sense of, like, they go out to really hot starts with him out there. I think they were slow a lot of times come out of the gate uh, when he wasn't starting. Uh, so I think that's important. Uh, it's important that Kansas plays better defense than they played against West Virginia and UCF on the road. Uh, that means, you know, making sure they don't get out-rebounded like they did yesterday. Again, this was the second strip game. They got out-rebounded. They got lucky uh, in a lot of metrics because they had done just enough defensively to make sure it doesn't matter. But, I mean, like, the bench needs to be better. It was a 30 to, you know, two, I think 32 to two uh, bench point advantage I wrote about. And Kansas didn't score their first bench points until 10 seconds left in the game when El Marco Jackson got fouled and calmly sank some free throws. So, you know, like the bench has got to be better. It cannot be giving you uh, zero points a game or two points a game or whatever until the last 10 seconds. Uh, so that's big. Uh, I think, you know, the, big, the biggest thing uh, for Kansas is consistency on the defensive end and getting some guys who can help them, you know, score off the bench and making sure you don't lose a rebounding battle. I think those two, three things will be huge uh, for Kansas and making sure that they come out of uh, the next couple of weeks with uh, a better outlook than they've had in the last two weeks. Why would I'm getting... Shreya Slada joining us, our KU insider, uh, beat writer for K, uh, for the KC Star on KU football and basketball. How on earth would Kansas ever lose a rebounding battle, by the way, with, with Adams, McCullough, and Dickinson? <laughs> like, how do they ever lose a rebounding battle? I mean, I think it, you can see the tired legs, right? I mean, like Hunter Dickinson had two rebounds of the half. I mean, he's been. They got crushed bad. yesterday. They got crushed. No, Forty to twenty nine. Really yeah, it was it was really bad. I you know it was nuts, and they got crushed in the offensive board, sixteen to six. I mean, since he's a good rebounding team, props to them. But there's no earth that Kansas should be losing that badly in in the rebounding battle. You know, it, it, it's. It just shouldn't be happening. But it's clear that the minutes are playing a toll on these guys. I mean, and it's clear that they had some tired legs because McCuller, I think, had zero rebounds at the half or whatever. Um, I mean, he's a, a guy who averages 6.4 rebounds a game. Dickinson had two rebounds at the half. He ended up with six. Not great for a guy who was putting up double-doubles just a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Um, and, and, you know, KJ, for I was good, he's done a good job of you know, get more rebounds. He didn't do an amazing job yesterday either. But you're right. Like, there's no kind of thought process on what, uh, you know, like, there's no reason for this Kansas team to be getting out-rebounded uh, ever as much as they are. With those three guys. Ever. Not with those three guys. I mean, it's that, that should, it shouldn't happen. I, I, I ask that, like, I look, KU, I still think KU wins the Big 12 trios. But I do, but I feel like the expectations of a national championship 
have gone way down and I and and they've they've lost three games, right? They're 16 and 3, but there's something not like something just isn't quite right. And and I guess is it is it fix I don't even know what it is, but it's not what it should be. It doesn't feel like even though they're 16 and 3. I, th- I know that sounds crazy to say, but I I mean, are you feeling that? I mean, I, I've been down on this team, I think, more than a lot of people have. Yesterday, I, I talked about it, the expectation of preseason of dominance or whatever to whatever's happening right now is just so different. And you can people can say, whatever, it's January, it's Bill stuff, and I'll probably have them ready and get them better to play by come tournament time. But I, I, there's no, like, where we are right now, there's no way this team wins a title. Like, I just don't see them winning eight straight games come March. And, you know, winning a national title. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they figure out some things. Maybe the first emergence is what they needed. But there's just too many issues with this team, whether it's the fact that when the offense goes on these lulls, uh, they go to Hunter Dickinson. And Hunter Dickinson's a good player, but he's a post player, so he's a lot easier to defend than a guy like Grady Dick or Jalen Wilson was last year. Uh, it feels like there's no easy offensive creation a guy like Jalen would you know take a tough mid-range shot and make it more often than not or same thing with Grady Dick you know Kevin can do that sometimes but he doesn't always do it um and on top of that their three-point shooting rate is the lowest ever in the Big Self era by hundreds of uh you know ranking spots uh, which is not good you can't win college basketball games not taking threes and making a decent amount I'm not saying uh you know that they won't make a run if, if it comes. But like I just look at this team and, you know, it feels like every other week a work pops out. And, you know, some of the stuff is just effort level stuff like rebounding and, you know, turnovers and stuff like that they can fix. But there's other stuff that I just don't know how it gets fixed. The lack of bench production, unless Nick Timberlake steps up and consistently gives you two games, which he's yet to do, which are good, is, is a little bit concerning. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think – I agree. They're probably going to win the Big 12 title because Bill Self is the best coach in the nation, and he will have these guys ready to go and run through a wall and all that. But I, I like the the idea that this team will win a title right now in January 23rd or 24th, whatever day it is, uh, you know, is he, kind of asinine to me. And I'm a metrics guy, but I'm also an eye test guy. And between both of those things, this Kansas team does not look like the team that's going to win a title. You know, they're Ken Palm, what, like 18 or something like that. I don't think they're that bad, but I don't think they're a top five team in the nation right now with the way they're playing. Yeah, and, and the thing is, and, and Bill Self turns teams from the difference between January 23rd and February 23rd typically is massive for K. It's why they win so many Big 12 titles. We'll see if they can get it done. You can find Shreyas's work at the KC Star. You can follow him on social media. Shreyas, we appreciate it. Thanks for the Tuesday visit uh, as we get ready for uh, KU's next one, which will come, uh, well, in, in pesky Ames against Iowa State on Saturday, a 1230 tip. We appreciate it, Shreyas. We'll talk again next week. See you. Yeah, thanks for having me. There goes Shreyas Lada. We always appreciate that. If you missed any of that conversation on the game last night, you can go back and listen for free on the Odyssey app. Uh, we will likely have a little more on that when Tommy joins us in the second hour, kind of continuing the conversation we had yesterday. As KU gets the win, looks the win at home. Five points against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's pretty good. Mm. Just still doesn't feel quite right for Kansas. Hey, uh, on the way out here, let's give away some HTO. We'll give you a free iced tea and a free brew house coffee. 
right now to our first caller on the KFH hotline at 869-1240. The tea is good for Wichita's east and west locations and in Derby. The coffee, good for the Wichita East location and in Derby. Good luck. We'll get a winner. Jad will have that. We'll come back with more Sports Daily right after this. Seven five and twelve forty KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Uh, we make our way through this Tuesday, getting ready for championship weekend. Looking back at a KU game. Uh, more coming up. I do want to get your take, Malcolm, on the Shockers real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, 0-5 to start the league. It has been... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Not good. Uh, I, I just don't know what's out there still for this team. What have you seen from Wichita State? And, you know, as somebody who's just sort of new to the area, what were your expectations for it coming into the year? Uh, so I've so I've been here for a few years now, so I've been able to oh, – okay. I've seen the program kind of go through. I, I will say a lot of people say it's a, probably their biggest rough patch uh, in a while. So um, I have definitely have had kind of that objective view of – how things have been going on with the team. Um, and, I mean, because I'm not holding it to the standard of the quote-unquote glory days, it's easy for me to say I think the team has a lot of potential to grow. I think um, when we're talking about um, – and Darvin Ham said this um, in an interview about the Lakers. Like, when you don't have people in the lineups and you can't figure out a lineup with so many people in and out, I think it's hard to really develop um, a, a real – you know, rapport with the guys on the court with you. I think that they have looked better uh, with Bijan on the court, um, which I expected um, with him not, you know, being out and, you know, all the transfers that they brought in. So it for me, I would say, you know, kind of pumped the brakes a little bit on the, the Shockers. Um, they didn't, there weren't high expectations going into the season, but I think that, I think they'll be fine going forward. But this season for sure is not, there's not much left, but I will think that you'll see a lot of players start to develop um, and they're getting used to Paul Mills system. Um, and, I, and I think they'll be fine. What is you've been here a couple of years, but you've missed the glory days of Wichita State, certainly when the Shockers are the hottest ticket in town and, you know, you can't get a ticket to Coke Arena and all of these things. I just as I watched Cincinnati last night playing a great game against KU. 
and I watch the success of Memphis, and I feel like these are programs that, you know, not only did Wichita State very recently play in the same league as them, like, that's where the program needs to be, right? That needs to be the expectation for Wichita State basketball. You're you're a metropolitan school, much like those two schools, much like Creighton, right, in Omaha. And, and they just, for whatever reason, can't seem to get back to that point. And I... And again, it's only year one under Paul Mills. I get it. But I, I just, like, I need that buzz. It's so big for the community here, mm-hmm. and I hope that they get back there. I don't know what's going to come this year. 0-5 to start the league. Boy, that that's not inspired. And I know, it, look, it's top-heavy. It's front-heavy, but it doesn't really get easy, right? Mm-hmm. As we look at the league, there are not a ton of games where you say, oh, yeah, that's because they lost to Temple, right? That's the one where it's like, what, that— I just don't know, I guess, how much better it's going to get this year. And I worry about that. I worry about that for the buzz of this community, and I want it to be there. So the last two weeks you haven't seen you know, much from the guys. I think definitely in that FAU game, I saw I – saw, It's not I that saw I haven't sport. seen much. I haven't seen wins. Right. I mean, at some point you got to win games. They, they <laughs> haven't won very many. And, it, it, you know, like it's it's been what, one in the last nine, one in the last ten? Like it's – that's a long stretch now, and I get it. The schedule's tough. Mm. But Wichita State shouldn't be the victim of a tough schedule. That's not shocker basketball, right? You go win some of those games. Yeah, they've had leads against FAU, and they've had leads against Memphis, and they've done all of these things, and they've won exactly zero of those games. Mm. That's over time. That's kind of hard to swallow. No, I, absolutely. I definitely understand. Uh, but I think as the season goes on, I think when we're looking at the season as a total – once we're done, I think that we'll we'll look back at this final stretch and we'll say, hey, like, I think they're going to get a win out of one of these games. They're going to be like, whoa. Like, that's really what I see from this team. Those guys, they look hungry, um, especially I, I, some I of agree. those new guys, man. They look hungry. I think I think they want they want to pull one out, and it's going to happen soon. Well, it's I, but that's not – I mean, we can't be – like, oh, good, they finally got a win. You know, it needs to string together, mm-hmm. right? Like, they need to pile them up here. And, and the one thing I agree with you with for sure – is it doesn't look like anybody's lost like focus or or anything's like spiraling away from them, which we have, I think, seen, if we're being honest with ourselves, over the past couple of years, there were points where it was like, I, I'm not sure how all it I don't think that's happening. I, I'm worried more about the fans not being all in than the team. That's what I'm worried about because it's hard to watch when, you know, like it, you got to get some wins in this thing and they got to get it turned around quickly, quickly. Oh, and five. That's not going to cut it. So we'll see what happens there. Did, did want to get your take on that. All right. Well, uh, I believe we'll have Tommy in here as we get into our number two. Uh, congratulations to Herb. Now, when it's a name, is it Herb or Herb? I think it's Herb, right? Herb. It's usually Herb. Yeah, it's Herb. Hard H. Okay, just making sure. Uh, you know, Herb or Herb, we appreciate you listening to the show, and <laughs> congratulations on the win. Enjoy that HTO on us. Uh, we'll come back. We'll have more on the Chiefs, probably a little more on KU, and we'll look around elsewhere. Look, there's a lot of NFL openings, and all these big-time head coaches we're talking about, none of them are taking jobs yet. Why do we think that is? We'll get into that in the second hour here. Sports Daily, Albrock, Malcolm Carter, Tommy Caster coming back in. We'll see you in a minute. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? 
Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.